0: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
1: This is the Wealth Ability for CPAs show. Better clients, better practice, better life. Here's Tom Wheelwright. Welcome to the Wealth Ability show for CPAs, where we're always discovering how to build better clients, a better practice, and a better life. Hi, this is Tom Wheelwright, your host, founder, and CEO of the WealthAbility Network. So it's busy season and we're all, you know, really getting engaged with tax returns and we're busy doing that. One of the stresses of busy season, actually two, um, relate to pricing. How do we price our tax return? How do we charge for the tax return? When do we collect for the tax return? And the other part of that, of course, is entering our time. I mean, we spend hours and hours and hours just in entering our time. And that's a big stress for us. It's a big stress for our, um, for our staff. And of course it causes other problems because if we bill by the hour, clients don't want to call us. So we have a very special guest, Geraldine Carter, who is, um, uh, uh, Geraldine, I don't know if the book's released yet, but I'll let you talk about the book. But the book is Zero to Subscription, and I love this. We've actually implemented it this year in our CPA firm, and uh, it's one of those things that scares the daylights out of you um, leading up to implementing it. And you make all sorts of mistakes implementing it, which we've made all sorts of mistakes. And uh, we'll talk about what those mistakes, some of those mistakes and and really get Geraldine, love to get your views on it. But first of all, welcome to the show, Geraldine. And if you would, just give us a little bit about your background and why you do what you do um, coaching CPAs.
0: Sure. So thanks, Tom, for having me. It's a pleasure to be with you. So I work with CPAs one-on-one and in group settings to help them basically get their lives back without forsaking revenue. We know that CPAs, the business model for CPAs is broken. It's always been broken, but they've been able to kind of keep it MacGyvered together with hourly billing and working for all kinds of clients, but it leads to working long hours, 50, 60 hours a week and catching up on on weekends. And this is not a life for people who are well-educated, who are talented, smart, hardworking. They deserve better. And in the industry, there's not a lot of conversation. There's insufficient, I would say, conversation around how to get off of the tax hamster wheel and how to create a business that thrives, how to create a CPA firm that thrives with you as the owner, working reasonable hours. And I'm talking 40, I'm talking 25, I'm talking five, if that's what you want while making more than enough money and while having clients who are great. So that's what I help my clients do. And that process takes typically six to eight months. Uh, That's great.
1: Um, I I love that. So one of my questions is, uh, historically, we have focused on input instead of output. Right. Anytime that you're bill any anytime you're recording time and billing based on hours, you're not recording based on you're not actually billing based on production. You're billing based on how much time it takes you to do something. So actually what that means is that the less efficient least efficient person tends to make the most money as long as they can get away with it with the client, right? And so so this is where you you get to that 50, 60 hours a week because wow, I'm not making money unless I'm working 50, 60 hours a week. And uh, you know, boy, and then boy, then the clients are always concerned about how much time is it going to take. So how do you, how do you how do you address that part of it um, where like you say we're broken and we've been focused on inputs. How do you get away from being focused on in- inputs?
0: Yeah. So first off, recognizing the, that hourly billing is tragic and like nuclear waste, it's everywhere throughout your business. And, you know, you've got to put on your booties and wear a Geiger counter. It touches every surface and given enough exposure, enough time, it will kill you. And this is what we're seeing. You know, you just go over to tax Twitter and you can see how tired people already are. And it's only mid-February. We're 860 whatever days into this thing. And so we must recognize that hourly billing is a terrible way to run a business. It's terrible for you and it's terrible for your clients because like you say, they don't call you when they you have a problem. And then you see on tax Twitter, Hey, you know, the CPA going, maybe you should have told me about that. But the client's like, well, I didn't want to call you because you were going to send me a bill for $125 for 15 minutes. So how do we get off of this? Once we've established and we're all on the same page that hourly billing is not it for CPAs or anybody else, but anyways, the place to start is with the things that you do time and again, that you do inside and out. And the most obvious choice for CPAs is returns, especially 1040s. Although I would be an advocate, although I advocate for moving away from 1040s because there's not a lot of profitability to squeeze from that sponge. But you know that 1040s don't take 10 hours typically, right? Most of your 1040s take two to three hours. You know, Maybe the fast ones are 45 minutes. So price them accordingly. Set a flat fee and you can set it at 800 bucks, or you can set it at 450, but whatever you do, you set a flat fee and that is the price for your client, regardless of how long it takes. And you will be amazed when you set a flat fee and a price upfront, just how fast your brain goes looking for efficiencies in your system, because now suddenly you're incentivized to get faster Because if you can get your 1040s, if you can optimize your workflow and get it down to 45 minutes or an hour 15, like time in in and out, in and out, the rest is profit for you. So the easiest place to start is with the projects that you know very well that have a finite scope that you can practice, that you can set a flat fee for and practice getting the experience and the feeling of seeking efficiencies, seeking optimizations, and reaping the reward. And when you do that, then you go, oh, okay, this is great. Now, what can I look for next? What's the next thing in my business I can set flat fees for?
1: Well, so so let's talk about that for a second, because I, I think the next question, that begs the question, are we in a transaction business or a relationship business? So when you talk about zero to subscription, a subscription to me implies relationship because in other words, it's, it's like a doctor. We've seen a lot of doctors, my doctor does this, um, where you pay a flat monthly fee and they're on call and you do whatever it, it and if you need them, great. If and you have their cell phone and I actually had that happen and I was in the hospital and had I not had that, it would have had some fairly dire consequences. And so um, what happens is, is that, we found with a flat fee so to go to your flat fee is that when you have that flat fee, they're no longer afraid of it. But first of all, what it does is it sets the expectation. So no longer are, is billing an issue, right? Mm-hmm. Because at, at, at what, when you set that fee, they know exactly what to expect. Now, we also historically, um, we've always charged a retainer upfront. So in other words, we basically charge half the fee upfront and half when the, the, they collect the return. Now, our returns are a little different. We don't have any returns um, yeah. with the exception of kids that take less than 10 hours, um, even 1040s. Some of our 1040s take 80 hours, um, but it's a different clientele. I, I get that than a lot of CPAs have. Um, but still, what happens is when we let the client know up front, it takes the stress off them and it takes the stress off us. Now, um, we, we've done one more thing um, this year, which it was frankly scary. Okay. now Mm -hmm. I will tell you, the first time we charged retainers, it was scary Um, because, you know, you go, who's going to complain about it? Well, you know, what's the what's the result going to be? And I tell people to charge retainers and some of them I told them five years ago, you need to be charging retainers. And they're still not charging retainers because it scared the daylights out of them. Others uh, took it and ran with it. And what they found was is that yes, some people are going to be upset, but are those the people you want for clients? Um, but that's the retainer side. But we've actually gone a step further, and, and I know you talk about this in your zero to subscription. Is we've gone to a monthly flat fee, which includes all of our services. So mm-hmm. I'd, I'd like to get your feedback on that, and then I'll certainly tell you what our experience is and where we made some mistakes. Um, but uh, I will tell you that what I have found, and we've charged a flat fee for some services for years, is that. When you have a flat fee and uh, it's all-inclusive, especially, then clients no longer are afraid of talking to you and you can completely change the relationship. So uh, would you just talk about you know, your philosophy and how you look at, um, first of all, transactional business, which would be a tax return business or a consulting business versus a, a subscription business, which is really a relationship business?
0: Yeah, sure. So there's a lot in there. So let's unpack it. The the thing I think that's most important for the CPA to ask themselves is what kind of business do they want to have and who are the ideal clients that they want to serve with that business? And then design the business model around the answer to that question. And to also know and recognize that strategy work will always pay more than transactional work, than one time, do your return, give you the reports and, and done strategy work has so much more value because you're farther upstream, making more important decisions at the outset that are going to have downstream effects that impact the business with many more zeros at the end. So if you can set up your business such that the nature of the work that you do with clients, of course, folds in the transactional work that needs doing, but really focuses on the relationship, like you say, but also the transformation that the business owner, or in this, or perhaps in your case, real estate investors are looking for, then it changes how the CPA thinks about that client, how they work with them, how they serve them, what they do for them. And so now you're really changing the nature of the engagement and you're out of the do this for me kind of order taker, here it is, now pay me kind of transaction. And you're into helping your clients move along a path that they desire in their own lives, right? Because every business owner has personal objectives for their business. So in going, in talking about subscription, there are lots of ways to have a subscription business model. There's an excellent book by John Warlow that, that describes, he categorizes nine different types of subscription. Not all of them apply to CPAs. His book is The Automatic Customer for your clients, for your listeners who are interested. But what you can, but we need to step out of just taking an annual fee and dividing it by 12 and really think about, like you say, having pricing, I wouldn't say pricing the relationship, but taking the entire portfolio of what you do and the value of the portfolio of what you do for that client and establishing a price for that based on the value to them. There, Like I said, there are lots of ways to do this. It can be with advisory retainers. You could have a membership or a community. You could have a um, learning portal, like a Netflix of information, if you will, and so on. There are, there are lots and lots of ways to do this. And I think you're at the forefront, the leading edge of having set this up in your business. Very few CPAs have a subscription model to speak of that's beyond just monthly kind of, um, this is the average fee for bookkeeping and we fold your tax return in. Right. So it's all being pioneered right now.
1: Yeah. So one of the, one of the things that occurred to me now I've been in this business for 40 years. So I I've been around the block a lot of times and, uh, I've been bought and sold built CPA firms. And I've got a, a small one now that, uh, is uh, I actually spend very little time in. I'm uh, literally spend less than, uh, easily less than three or 400 hours a year in my CPA firm. And, and that is only with, only on consulting. I don't do tax, I don't, I don't do the tax returns. We do tax returns, don't get me wrong. Um, but I, you know, I, I use a lot of, um, a, a lot of staff. I, I have really amazing staff. But here's what, here's what we found, it's, it's really interesting. It's, um, you know, anytime you make a change to your business model, it's very scary. And because you don't know how clients are going to react and how are you going to explain it to your clients? One of the things that we did um, right, and we did a lot of things wrong, okay, um, things that went wrong all relate to communication, all of them, and things we did right also relate to communication. <laughs> but one of the things we, we looked at, you know, I've looked after 40 years, I'm going, why are we doing tax planning in December? why are, why is there even such a thing as year-end planning? I mean, that makes no sense when you think mm-hmm. about it. The, mm-hmm. the, it should be year-long planning and it should start in January and February and particularly February, because by February you have financial statements, you know where you are and you should know where you're going. So this goes to your point, Geraldine, about strategy. And we focus heavily on strategy. In fact, we don't allow a client to even start with us unless we take on a strategy with them. Um, but when, what what we we're finding is in having those calls with the clients, because of course we're you know rolling out a whole different way of operating, was that people would say, well, gee, so instead of talking to you twice a year, now I can talk to you six or eight times a year, or even twelve times a year, and I'm going, absolutely, absolutely. Now is that a big risk um, as far as time goes? Yes, but consider we no longer record our time, mm-hmm. so. Would you talk about that, just that overcoming that stress um, of implementing something new like that, Geraldine, and how do you get through that whole stress and how do you make sure that it doesn't just consume you and that you actually get that communication out right to the clients?
0: Sure. So the, the uncertainty of making the change is going to be there, right? Because there are things that you don't know how it's going to play out. So the question is, how do you, how do you navigate this change with a minimum of stress? And if the stress for you comes from the thought, what if we screw this up and we lose half our clients and they walk, then start smaller, right? Start with a pilot group that is something that you can wrap your arms around, that if you screw up, you're not going to be, it's not really going to hurt. It's going to hurt a little bit, but it's not going to sink your ship. So you might imagine starting with a pilot person of one or two clients to see how it goes, or you might imagine piloting it with five or 10 clients to see how it goes. And you can position it with your best clients with whom you had perhaps a long standing, trusting relationship that you've built over time and say, look, we're doing this new thing. We have planned it out. It looks like this. We think that it's going to go like this. We think it's going to be better for you for these reasons. There are some things that, because it's the first time we will have to work out kinks along the way, but we've, we think that this will be better for you and you can pose it to the client. Is this something that you would like to pilot with us? And they can, you can give them a choice. Yes or no. And if they see the obvious benefit, they may, you may be shocked. They may say, Oh yeah, that is way better because if you're designing it to be better for the client, which presumably you are because it's your business and that's the whole point of business, then they're going to want to want it. They're going to want it. So you run the pilot. You have it with a small enough group of people that you're comfortable with. You work out the kinks, and then once you've worked it out to the point where you're comfortable launching it to a larger group, then you launch it to the next larger group. And you can do it in phases like that until you've made the transition or until you've made you're comfortable enough that you can transition the rest of your firm in one fell swoop. But just recognize that the stress, the uncertainty especially, is just going to be a passenger In the journey, so you know, give it a cookie and just go tell it to sit in the way back and do its thing, and just recognize that that's part of it. And if you're designing something that is good for your clients, and you back to your point about communicating, you cannot over communicate. If you communicate upfront transparently with your clients, it will make the transition that much smoother.
1: Well, and 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 that's where. So we made a couple of mistakes. I mean, uh, I'm I'm as you know, I'm a go bigger or go home type of person i don't <laughs> i thought about doing it that way and and kind of Got testing it. it going yeah mm-hmm. no nah, i'm just going to do it so we just, just for it. we just we just did it mm-hmm. and um but what we didn't do was uh give uh initially give clients a choice and mm-hmm. I, I actually think that one of the things that we can do best for our clients in any aspect of our business is to give them a choice Okay. Do you want to, I mean, and the choice should not be, do you want to work with us or not? The choice should be, okay, would you want to work with us this way? Or would you want to work with us that way? And at least in a transition period. So one of the things that we ended up doing, we corrected along the way was said, well, look, if you'd prefer, we can, this year, we can go mm-hmm. along and do it the way we did last year. Now we've always done a flat fee upfront on the tax stream. We've always told them exactly what it was going to cost. So that's not so, you know, you're right. We have done it gradually, right? We, we first started probably 15 years ago, um, was the first time we charged a retainer, right? Basically half of the tax return fee upfront. We charged that in January. That was actually, we did it because the bank pulled our line of credit and we needed money. So we, we were actually, we, we did it out of necessity. and. You know, I, I, ever since then, I've been telling people, why are you being a bank? Um, it makes no sense. You're not in the banking business. So um, rather, and then the other part of that, of course, you charge a retainer up front. Um, it, it's less of a fee to pay when they, when they actually pick up their tax return. But that was still too transactional to me. So um, what I found was is that, you know, as long as clients uh, get a choice and we communicate, here's what the choice is. And the, the choice is, in our case, we decided that choice was going to be temporary. So, yes, we're, we can continue like we did last year so that you can kind of get a feel for this, but know that next year it will be permanent. What's interesting, Geraldine, is um, a number of our clients, when we first announced it, just literally jumped for joy. They said, This is so much better. We are yes. so happy with this. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the reaction was like, Wow. And then there were a few clients that were a little hesitant and they said, Well, we'd like to have a choice. So, we gave them the choice. And they all ended up choosing the monthly flat fee. Um, because once once we start looking at, look, we're not, now we're going to do, what we're going to do is we're going to look at your tax planning in February and again in March and again in April and again in May. And we're going to look at your tax planning on an ongoing basis. Then all of a sudden they go, well, wow, that would be so much better. And um, and, and it's, it's worth paying because you're going to charge more, right? You're doing more. So you are going to have to charge more. And that's the other thing that, you know, everybody's afraid of while well, we're raising our fees. How's that going to work, um, for people? And now you're spreading them out because basically, you know, if, if you're on a, on a subscription, you're on a monthly type fee. So it is a little easier, but still, You know, I, I mean, I recognize that, that, you know, I was, there were some clients I'm going, okay, we need to see how, how are they going to feel about this? And we need to, and we ended up giving them the option, um, without exception though, uh, um, we had a couple who said, you know what, I just, I just don't need the consulting. And so, um, they are no longer with us. And we were actually knew that going in and we're going, you know what, we think there are a couple, but there were a couple of others that had never done consulting, had never hired us for consulting that said, absolutely, we need this, we want this, we're happy to pay. And for them, their fee probably doubled um, mm-hmm. and they were they were very happy about it. So I, I think that that's um, part of the issue, but it, it, what it comes down to in a lot of cases is, and yes, we've been uh, a little, I mean, it's taken us a while to get to where we could actually pull this trigger, but a lot of it comes down to pricing. What are your thoughts on how you come up with this pricing because uh, the scariest thing is, you go, okay, I know what my pricing is for my tax returns because I got, I know what the average rate per hour is in my, in, in my, you know, in my um, type of client. I know what the average fee should be for a tax return. I know, I know all these based on the inputs, okay. But now all of a sudden you're saying, not even going to measure inputs. We don't even measure inputs anymore. So we are measuring outputs. How, how do you take that risk that? And then we still don't know. We're not going to know till the end of the year if it's profitable or not for us. Um, but how do, you, how do you go about doing that pricing in, um, you know, when you talk about going to subscription, how do you go about uh, the pricing side of it?
0: Yeah. So let's back up because I think it's important to talk about that all of this, all but requires that you choose a specific target market or niche or position in the marketplace. If you have a broad... Mm-hmm. mishmash of clients from manufacturing to pharmaceutical to the local drugstore to the running shoe store to a physical therapist, this is very difficult. We need to have clients who look like each other so that we can get a clear understanding of the pattern of their needs so that we have a sense of the scope because what we don't want to do is price it underneath what it costs us to deliver it and then right. lose our shirts, right? So that's every CPA shirt. Right. So having, having a niche Working inside a vertical, an industry, however you want to do it or call it, is all but necessary. I haven't seen it done without that yet. So with that piece being said, we then what we do is understand the value that we can potentially provide for clients. And you have to, I don't want to say you have to, it really helps when you're working with the right target market, with the right kind of client for whom you can provide Lots of value. And when I say lots, I mean six figures. If you're providing five figures of value, this is not as easy. So you want to find the clients for whom you can find for whom you can create six figures worth of value. So you've got to figure out who that is. You can find inside an industry the clients who have grown enough to a point where you can, with some degree of confidence, provide six figures worth of value, whether it's in tax savings, whether it's in um, increase, increased profitability or wherever that is for you in your niche. And what my clients do, and this is another reason that hourly billing is so bad. is you don't get paid to do this work, right. but it's so valuable. You take their financial information for a couple of years, you take their returns, you go through everything and you run the scenarios a bunch of different ways and you come out with your scenarios and you look at it and my clients, they say to themselves, okay, I think that with this client, if a few cookies crumble our way, we could probably save him $500,000. If they don't crumble our way, we can still at least save him $250,000 plus this year, one-time savings of $100,000. So you establish the value, the quantitative value that you can potentially create for your client. And from there, then you can get into pricing. And if you want to be really conservative, you can price at 10% of the value you provide. If you want to be a bit more aggressive, you can price, it, um, you can price closer to 20% of the value you provide. These are really rough numbers. This is more art than it is science. Um, and certainly it's not a percentage of the tax savings and getting into the way that that's illegal. That's not yeah. what I'm talking about because we're talking about the whole package. Yeah, it's includes- not contingent. It's not contingent. It's not contingent. You're, you're
1: doing pricing yes. on the front end, which states the contingency part out of it. And, yep. uh, and, and, you know, one of the things you, you bring this up, the value, I, I 100% agree with you, Geraldine. One of the things that we tell every client is that we won't take them on unless we think we can be their best investment. Um, yes. literally that we can be whether the real estate or whether we have a bunch of independent pharmacists or we have dentists, we have, you know, doctors, if we can't provide, if we can't be their best return on investment better than if they're in real estate, their real estate investments better than their business, um, the money putting into their business. If we can't be a better return than their other investments, they probably shouldn't invest with us. Frankly, and it does put a lot of pressure on. Uh, I, I will say, I mean, and I, I, I take on a few clients a year, and I, I charge a completely unreasonable fee um, for doing that. And but I won't do it unless I can, you know, double their money in the first month. Frankly, so um, it's it's a very easy one, you know, for me because I have been doing this for for so long. But I do find that if we focus on that value that uh, it, it takes all the pressure off because now you are constantly delivering. And what about telling them about what value? How important is it to actually let your clients know um, where they are now versus where they were before, um, before they started with you?
0: Well, it's critical. You have to tell them where they are now relative to where they were before. That is what they're paying you for. They're paying you for the transformation from a where they are now to their, whatever desired future state. And the Delta between those two is the value to them. And then your price falls in between the, the value to them. It falls between the value to them and your cost that way. This is what you're alluding to earlier. It ensures that the relationship is mutually profitable. And right. this is when business gets really enjoyable because the transaction is profitable for your buyer and the profitability to them is what they would have paid, the value they got minus what they paid. And the value to you is what they paid you minus your cost, right? And so when you find this thought of putting your price in between the value to the client and your cost, now suddenly the relationship, people wanna work with you forever because it just continues to be profitable. Well,
1: that I I don't think there's any question about that. I, I have to say we have the best. I, I would put our clients up against any clients in the world. We have absolutely amazing clients. This is why in our you know when we talk about um, building a, a great practice, we start with building great clients and building those great client relationships. It's all about the clients. And so um, let's let's uh, if we can finish off with this. How do you um, how do you go about uh, really identifying which clients are those clients that you're going to have fun with and you can absolutely provide value to and, uh, and, and, and you can actually have better clients and not be so worried about being in a transactional business, not worried about being a commodity to them and actually be able to provide value. How do you go about that, Geraldine? I know that's some, one of the things that you talk about
0: a lot. Yeah. And so I think you're asking, how do CPAs go about that? Right. So, um, and not me personally. So where we start is inside the existing clients roster. We talk about who the client, who the CPA is currently working with that they really enjoy. And having, you know, I've been on this side of this helping CPAs find a great target market for a while now. So I have a sense of what target markets are good, where the sweet spots are. And what that CPA likes to do, what kind of, where their skill set is, what they don't want to do. And so we can start with their top 10, maybe 20, but usually inside your top 10 clients, you have a few great ones you really enjoy, you love doing the work, and you would do it all day if you could just replicate and have 40 just like them. So that's really what we're looking for is who are your, like, if you could take your favorite two or three and replicate mm-hmm. them and build your business around that, what would that be? And what's the value you can provide for folks like that? And that's how we get into clarifying the target market that we go after. And then what we do is get underneath in the mind of the buyer, the tar- inside the target market and understand what they're really struggling with what it is that they want instead, and what is the CPA's contribution to that transformation. So we've got the pain, the dream, and the fix. And then we des- we design a set of services, a productized service ladder, and or a product ladder with a set of productized services and a couple of options at various levels so that the buyer can get started working with the CPA at, a, at a, in a way that they are currently comfortable with. And we take the information, we refresh the website, and we, tar- we target that market. And that's how we bring in, replicate the best two or three clients, and get more just like them, and get them in this transition that we talked about: zero to subscription. Get them moving through this transition of the transactional and into a business that is built around the transformation for the buyer and the relationship with the client.
1: Yeah, I, I think you uh, you bring up a really good point is that when you have when you have a constant request from clients, from new clients to come be part of you your business you it takes a lot of stress off right when you're making changes because you go okay i don't want to lose clients i mean i i truly love my clients i mean i absolutely they all have my cell phone they can call me anytime um they don't but they they know they can And, uh, and we have, and we'll set up a meeting at a moment's notice. I don't, doesn't matter if I'm traveling, whatever. Um, and, And I love those. At the same time, when you make a big change, you go, okay, well, what's my risk here? And if you're, if you can't, if you don't know how to bring in new clients. Which is really one of the things we specialize in in the Wealthability Network is bringing clients to our members. If you if you don't know how to bring in clients, then that can be very stressful because oh my heavens, that's a big loss of revenue. Whereas if you know if you have people who are waiting their turn to become a client, then that's a, that's a whole different level of risk that you have. Even though again, you know, good clients are just you know you built that relationship over the years. Um, I I literally love every single one of my clients and you don't want to lose them at the same time, knowing that you have, you know, that, that bringing in clients is not that difficult, um, takes a lot of the risk out of it.
0: Yeah. And just to piggyback one quick thought on that is to know your risk, but to also have a deep appreciation for the opportunity cost. Mm-hmm. Because the numbers, when we make this transition, the clients that I work with, They go from working 60, 70 hours a week, down to working 30 hours a week, and in some cases down to 10 or five, without a reduction in revenue and a much higher quality of life. The numbers, the the prices of the services that my clients offer go from what would have been $5,000 for a couple of business tax returns to more like $35,000. So the, the, increase in fees is, or in prices is substantial and i think that's what most before you go through this transition it can be difficult to really grasp just how much opportunity and val- opportunity there is and how much value you can create and how much money you can make so that's the other piece on the other side of it is weigh the risk but also understand what there is to gain yeah.
1: all of this all of this pricing all of this You know, do I spend money on an, on a coach myself? All of this is really and even going to a subscription model is a very much a shift in mindset um, for the CPA and it's a really big shift. Um, So Geraldine, how do you, you know, do you have any tools for that or anything that you can, you can help us with to to actually make that shift in mindset?
0: Yeah. And I'm so glad you brought this up because this is, this is incredibly important. And I think um, under addressed, if you will. And I include Mindset Work with my clients. We unpack their thoughts. We unpack their feelings, stress, pressure, overwhelm. We don't get weepy, but we, you know, if they're procrastinating, we get underneath why. While we also coach the to-do list. And when you can coach thoughts, feelings, and the to-do list all aligned, the progress is so much faster. And for your listeners who are interested in knowing more about their thinking and scoring their thinking, seeing how they can improve their thinking... I created a scorecard for CPAs oh, that cool. they can get at my website. It's at shethinksbigcoaching.com forward slash wealth And it's the $10,000 an hour CPA scorecard. So your listeners can go download that at any time and find the places that they can upgrade their thinking to get more powerful results.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you. Um, that is, you know, always, we we love to have practical tools and so appreciate that practical uh, tool. Uh, once again, the website, Geraldine,
0: she thinks big coaching.com forward slash wealthability. Awesome.
1: The final thing I would say is that if, um, you know, CPA sometimes stands for cheapest people in America. And, uh, if, if, if you're cheap, By the way that affects how you build that affects how your Mm -hmm. clients see you um one of the things i would suggest is go out and hire an expensive coach go out and hire go out and spend some money on real education go join a network that costs you thirty thousand fifty thousand dollars a year um, that will provide high value to you and get the mindset changed on value versus price and when you do that um and then you can go from zero to subscription And you're always going to have better clients, a better practice, and a better life. Geraldine, thank you so much for being with us. Everyone, we'll see you next time. Thanks, Tom. You've been listening to the WealthAbility for CPA show. Better clients, better practice, better life. To learn more, go to wealthability.com.